welcome to Revolutionary Women. My name is Tess Silverman. Women around the world are constantly creating ways to make a difference in their communities, and today's guest is no exception. My guest today is Liz Thompson. Liz was born in Long Island, New York, and studied marketing in college at Emory University and graduate school at Fordham University, and worked as a product manager for several large CPG companies in New York. She then switched gears, dropped it all, and attended the French Culinary Institute in New York before moving to Los Angeles to do an internship with the iconic French chef Michel Richard, and then pursued a new path. She owned and opened two restaurants in Los Angeles, The Pig Memphis-style barbecue and in West LA and City Walk, and then moved on to teach culinary and restaurant hospitality at the Art Institute of California, and then had to pursue a second career change. Liz lost part of her sight overnight and had to assess her skill set in terms of what angle of the food industry she was most passionate about and could do mostly at home. Today, she focuses on recipe development and new product development, helping individuals launch a food company and get their products to market. Currently, she's working on her first book titled Baking with Herbs. Her mantra is, let your passion define you, not your disability. Hi, Liz. Welcome to Revolutionary Woman. How are you this afternoon? I'm good, and thank you so much for the honor of being called a revolutionary woman. I never thought of myself as one before, so thank you. <laughs> you are so welcome. I mean, oh my gosh, you have had quite a career, so I thought it would be awesome for my listeners to get to know who you are and how you got to where you are now. So let's get started. Um, so you grew up on Long Island. Uh, so can you tell me a little bit about where you grew up and what you and how your childhood was growing up? Sure. Uh, let's see. I grew up uh, Great Neck, Long Island. It was a beautiful area. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, went went to you know went to the same you know um, kindergarten and, and nursery school and middle school and high school with the same you know the same kids from around the block. You know, never we didn't tra- you know we didn't go to private school. We didn't change schools. So I you know grew up in same house, same neighborhood, uh, same kids. Mm-hmm. My, my dad was a doctor. My mom was pretty much a stay at home mom, mm-hmm. you know, nice, you know, just, you know, your, your, you know, your, your white picket fence, picket fence, um, you know, childhood that now seems to be so much harder, mm. uh, to come by, right. you know, we I went to great, great schools and vacations and I'm very, very, very grateful. And I, you know, realized how fortunate I was. Okay. So I read that you did a lot of traveling when you were younger because your dad, yes. your dad, yes. like you said, was a surgeon who spoke at conferences. Yes. Um, at what age did you start traveling, and what country or countries made an impact on you? Sure, I think the first the first country I went to was actual. It was Japan, and I was thirteen. Oh wow! How was yeah, that so for you? That was absolutely wonderful, and I me- I remember waking up, uh, going. I had my own room, going going downstairs looking for my parents, and not realizing that it was two in the morning, and I had uh, <laughs> oh, no. jet lag. But uh, yeah, uh-huh. I was you know I, I you know traveled all over the world, and that's when that's when I learned that to me. The world was a very small place, and that's why, for me, it was very easy years later to move to California on my own from New York because I always, you know, everything was just a plane ride away. Mm. That's really interesting. Um, And was there something about your travels that made an impact on you in terms of, like, you know, how you saw the world? Yeah, like I mentioned before, the world, um, it, it made the world a much smaller place, a much easier 
you know, easier concept to understand and the thought of moving and moving to other countries, possibly living there. Mm -hmm. It didn't, nothing, nothing seemed overwhelming anymore. You know, once you've traveled and you learn and you see how other people live and then you come back to our country and you realize, you know, I realized how fortunate we are, Mm -hmm. you know, here in this country. And I think, you know, if more people had the opportunity to travel and see how little others have, right they would understand that little in this country is still, you know, 100 times more than most in other countries. Yes, very true. Okay, so you grew up um, taking up swimming, tennis, art lessons, um, <laughs> took up oil painting lessons, and you did that for 10 years. But then, you yes. dis- but then you discovered baking. Now, how old were you when you realized you loved baking? And was there someone who um, inspired you to bake? No, I started, I don't know, I don't know how I started, but I started baking, I think around, I don't know, around 11 or 12. And my parents would go out on a Friday night and my sister and brother would go out and I just stay home and bake by myself. And I have really no idea where, where that started. I mean, I know my, my desire to learn how to start cooking came from the fact that my mother didn't like to cook um, (laughs) and she wasn't, not that she wasn't uh, an okay cook, but it Uh wasn't something that she look forward to doing every day. So we had so few spices in the house and we went out to dinner or took in probably four mm-hmm. nights a week. But in mm-hmm. terms of baking, mm-hmm. there was really no one that really inspired me to start. Interesting. Mm. Oh, okay. I mean, cause usually like there's a family member or, you no. know, or, or like maybe you saw someone. <laughs> there was nobody. Oh, wow. <laughs> nobody. That's so cool. I mean, that's kind of interesting because then you kind of decided, well, you know, I, if I want to eat something that I like, I might as well bake it. <laughs> that's it. That, yeah, that's exactly it. I probably, yeah, I learned to cook. Yeah. Because mm. I wanted to, to eat food with spices and good food. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's really cool. Okay. So before baking became more than just you know, doing what you loved, you went to college, graduated with a BBA in marketing from Emory University, then minored in art history, then went on to go for your MBA in marketing and finance at Fordham. So why, you know, baking, and then so why marketing and finance initially? It's funny, man, I don't know, I always, I always loved marketing, and I always had sort of a, a natural affinity to it. And, you know, when I was a kid, you know, as a, as a woman, you know, being in the restaurant business or deciding to be a pastry chef wasn't, wasn't a thing, especially, you know, growing up, you know, with, you know, with a a professional, you know, a father in a, in in the medical profession, it was Mm -hmm. sort of like, you know, it was all mapped out that, you know, me and my sister and brother, we would all go off to college and then, you know, go off to, to graduate school and either go to medical school, dental school, or, um, yeah, pretty much business school or law school. And mm-hmm. I remember after I graduated and I was in Atlanta mm-hmm. and I was having a grand old time, you know, had a job, an apartment. And then my dad called up one day and he said, OK, it's time. And I remember saying time for what? He said, mm-hmm. it's time for you to come back and finish school. I said, but I just graduated. Right. So, you know, a couple months later, my mom flew down and drove me back with all my stuff. And then I went to graduate school and I, you know, I stuck with marketing because that was still what I, you know, what I love to do. And then I was a product manager, advertising, things like that. But at the end of the day, I still love to cook and I still wanted to go to culinary school. Oh, yeah. I mean, so you were a product manager for how long? Probably, I'm going to guess it's so long ago, maybe four or five years. Okay. Okay. And then you said, okay, you know what, I really want to go back to baking and you go to the culinary school, which is what you did, the French culinary school in New York. 
But, right. Um, so how is that transition for you? Or was it ah. a, a hard transition or no? Well, it was an overnight transition. Oh. I walked into work one day and I realized I couldn't do it for one more day. <sighs> very, uh, ext- I'm extremely impulsive. And, you know, I had worked very hard to get this job at Clairol. It was a great paying, it was a great job, great paying job for someone in my 20s. And I just literally walked into my office, my, um, my boss's office one day and said, I'll be gone by the end of the day. Whoa. And she had no idea what I was talking about. And I said, uh-huh. and I'll pack up my things. And everybody, including my family, thought I was nuts because I had no backup. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. I had no backup. And uh-huh. I remember getting home and thinking, okay, not what I've done, not mm-hmm. look what I've done, but what am I going to do? So I just remember calling all of my friends who at the time worked in, you know, worked in New York City in corporate jobs. And I said, I'm now your official caterer and you're going to hire me for your lunches, your box lunches for your late night dinner meetings. Um, And and they and they did. And I cooked out of my apartment and, you know, I do 100 bagged lunches, did whatever I needed to do, um, created a nice little brochure, walked up and down Park Avenue with little bags of brownies, gave it to the doorman. And one day a woman on Park Avenue called me and said, I'd like you to do my dinner parties. So she hired me and Every Saturday night, I did dinner parties for 10, and she paid me $1,000, and I wow. I would shop for the food, uh-huh. cook the food, serve the food, and clean up. Wow. And I didn't really know how to cook back then, and that's when, you know, Julia Childs, mm-hmm. you know, what I call Bible came in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and then, uh, you know, did that for a while, and then I almost set my, my kitchen on fire. Oh. One night it was like two in the morning and I was baking brownies and my eyes started to water up and I had a grease fire. And then I realized I'm either going to do this the right way or I'm not going to do it. And that's, that's when I made the decision to go back to, to, to go to culinary school. Wow. That's crazy. And and, it is crazy. But it's good crazy because you followed your passion and you said, you know what, I'm, I'm done with this, you know? And I mean, at least back then you said, okay, I'm done with this. And then you, you became a pastry chef for over 20 years. Right. Right. Uh, and I, you know, worked I, in, I worked, yeah, worked in restaurants and then, you know, got married and had a couple of restaurants and then um, taught pastry and then, you know, uh, just sort of transitioned into recipe development. And that's why I always say to people, you know, it's it's great to have an initial plan. Mm-hmm. But if you try to stick to that plan too closely, you're going to miss so many opportunities that could come along the way that could take you in a, you know, a direction that might, you know, take you to a much happier, more fulfilling place. Mm-hmm. No, I, I get that. And I mean, when you were working as a pastry chef, though, at some point, did you look around, you know, did you at some point look around and say, I'm, I'm, this is my bucket list. This is like, I'm fulfilling my dream. Or was it something in the back of your head saying, you know, maybe this is not all it is? No, I never, I never said the latter. I absolutely loved working loved working in a kitchen and initially mm-hmm. my plan was to go to culinary school get the great you know culinary education and then with my mba go work for you know some you know companies like you know general foods mm-hmm. or nestle or nabisco and be a product manager but also have that culinary side which would have made me you know 10 times more valuable but once i right. you know got into school and started doing internships mm-hmm. i just loved the kitchen environment because it was wow. a very freeing very freeing environment very very creative mm-hmm. Huh. Not, you know, I, I did work for some chefs that were very mean, that didn't like women, et cetera, et cetera. But my best job was as a pastry chef at Checkers Hotel, and I'm still in touch with the chef Andreas Kissler, and he just let me, you know, run wild with whatever I wanted to do. That's so cool. Wow. Okay. And so you mentioned, you know, like some of the 
chefs were not nice. So did you <laughs> did you experience bias as a pastry chef or even as a restaurant owner? As an assistant, when I first moved out to Los Angeles, my first job was as an assistant pastry chef. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the chef and the pastry chef, not sure why I was hired, but just did not think very highly of me and did not treat me very well. But I just, you know, I figured I, I've got to, you know, I got to stick it out. Mm-hmm. But the restaurant ended up closing six months later. So mm-hmm. it was an e- it was easy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, all right. And so, okay. So now we're going into what you are currently doing, um, which okay. is you are a food consultant specializing in recipe and product development. Right. So can you tell me what a food consultant does and what sure. prompted you to create your com- your company, Liz, Mar- Liz Thompson Marketing? Right. Well, I've, I've always done marketing and consulting on the side, even when I owned restaurants, but um, the transition really came and it was forced upon me about six years ago when I was a culinary instructor for the Art Institute, and I was at the fancy food show. I would go every year with a, a vanilla bean company, mm-hmm. and you know, be their their resident chef. And I woke up one morning at the show, and I couldn't I couldn't see out of my left eye. Wow! And all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, I developed a vision issue. So I, you know, I kind of made it through the weekend, and then you know, came back and went right to the Jules Stein Eye, eye Institute for a couple of days, and then realized that I had developed. Uh, an eye condition and it wasn't just something that would go away but it was something that would possibly jump to my other eye possibly get better possibly not so I left I took a leave of absence from work and I Mm -hmm. never went back and during that time probably within a year's time I had to really think about okay what are my skills what what am I left with what can I do and I got an incredible amount of training from the Department of Rehabilitation I mean they they set me up with a Mac computer and I got lessons because I had to learn how to use the computer invert the colors inverted hmm. bigger. I got great training from them. They set me up with a, a laptop mm-hmm. and a seven court kitchen aid and a camera and everything I could possibly need. And I had to, all they said is come up with a good business plan. We'd rather give you the money to start your own business than keep you on disability. And I said, okay, great. Uh-huh. So what I've been pretty much doing ever since then, and I absolutely love it, is people come to me and they say, okay, I want to do a line of popcorn. I need help with recipe development. And then after huh. recipe development, I need you to find me a company, a co-packer that's going to pack it. I need help with packaging. I need help with with copy, with distribution, with warehousing. So I, that that became my niche. So you can come to me with your idea uh-huh. and I'll get that I'll get that product made. That's wild. And so it's tons of fun. Yeah, and and it's so cool because you can, you you have so much experience as a pastry chef, uh, being in the kitchen, and a then food person. Just right. and I do any, I do yeah. any, t- I do things, popcorn, barbecue sauce, vegan honey, energy bars. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, between that and also having your, you know, your degrees in business and and you know and, right. and marketing, right. it's such right. a, like a it's became so like entwined in, in everything. Right. It became very, very clear. And I was able to sort of take all of my skills from the last, you know, 25 years, whatever, my, my culinary experience, my business experience, my, my work experience, mm-hmm. and just, you know, pull it all together in one little night, one nice little package. That is very cool. But I mean, did, as you were going through, you know, um, I guess going through this change, did you have adjustment? Yeah, this adjustment. Did you have an aha moment as you were creating your company, your whatever was going to be next for you? 
it was sort of like, well, I can sit around and do nothing or I can stick to what I'm really, really passionate about and continue with it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the first six months were an adjustment for me. I had to just sort of learn how to do things a little bit differently, Mm -hmm. use different types of equipment in the kitchen. I mean, now, now I, I, I'm at pretty much, I say 90% of my old self, my vision has improved a little bit or my, my brain has, yeah, my brain has just gotten used to doing things differently. Mm -hmm. But you know, my, my aha moment was when I finally, you know, I finished my, I finished my website and I kind of tailored it towards product and recipe development, you know, things, things that I could do at home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I got a call from someone through a food consultants group that I had joined. And, you know, he wanted me to do this, um, this specialty energy bar. Mm -hmm. And he was asking me all these questions and he said, you know, can you do this? Mm. And I said, sure. And I had never done it before. (laughs) Always what we learn to do, we, we impulsive people say yes. And then we figure (laughs) it out after. Right. Yeah. And that ended up being one of the most yeah, exciting projects I had ever worked on. It was, and it launched nationally uh, last year. Wow, that's amazing. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. So that that was my aha moment when I really realized that, you know what, there's really nothing that I can't do as, as long as you, you know, as long as you, you do the research and yeah. maybe you talk to experts and you, you know, maybe you pay them an hour or two, you know, for their consulting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all, it's all about being adaptable and creative. Wow. And did your business suffer during the pandemic? Yes, it did. Mm. <laughs> I lost two of my, 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 my big and only clients. Mm. And then, um, it's a funny story. Then my ex-husband came to me and I said, he said, aha, you're not doing anything. You can help me now. I want to <sighs> relaunch the barbecue sauces and the rub that we did when we had a restaurant years ago. Oh, wow. So I said, sure. Thinking it would be part-time. Uh, uh-huh. Anyway, it's, it's turned into a full blast um, full blast project. And we just uh, manufactured the barbecue rub and the sauces will be done in Two months, and then I, you know, then I, then my other, you know, then I got some other projects, you know, once once people started going back to work and, you right. know, yeah. picking back up. That's so. cool. So, like, during the downtime, there, the opportunity came along and said, okay, right. well, you know what, the, okay, so, well. You're free. Yeah, yep. and, and while you didn't have those clients anymore, another opportunity came by. That, and then I was also writing writing the cookbook for Sweet Lady Jane, the, the Sweet Lady Jane Bakeries oh. in Los Angeles, and got us a great big, great big con- contract with a big, um, a big publisher, and that was probably one of the most exciting, second most exciting projects I had ever worked on. But unfortunately, just because of uh, legal matters on the Sweet Lady Jane side, they killed the deal. Hmm. <laughs> but I spent about a year and a half during the pandemic just writing, writing, testing recipes. Oh, so that's wow. really an area that I really want to get back to in terms of having other other chefs come to me and say, hey, you know, I want to write a book. Mm-hmm. I put together the proposal mm-hmm. and send it off to... Um, you know, different agents and publishers. So that that's somewhere that if you were to say to me, what do you want to do next? I'm yeah, going to continue doing yeah. what I'm doing, but I really want to get back into that, into that writing and uh-huh. recipe testing area. That is so cool. I mean, it's funny because I was going to ask you what your next goal was and here it is, you know, and so that's I, it. That's really awesome because I'm sure with all of your experience, there's a lot of stories there, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and <laughs> I, I mean, once you know, you put it out there, as a who's to say that someone, you know, will just get it and say, huh? I was like, I wonder if I can do the same thing, you know, which is right. really it's cool. More, yeah, it's more a matter of you know, decide decide what you want to do. Yep. Do your research, 
But if there's something that you really want to do and you're passionate about, you're the only you're the only one that can stop yourself from really, you know, achieving it. Yeah, that's how I look at it. Yeah, no, so true. I love that. Um, so, well, I was going to ask you what what drives you to keep going. What drives me to keep going? The fact that I love that I love every aspect of what I do. Mm. And of course I have a great family and I have great friends and I'm in great health and all of that, but it's, it's that I really, really love, love what I do mm. and I love adventure and I love traveling, but yeah, you, you've got to love what you do. Okay. That's awesome. And, and so is there someone you would credit for where you are now? My, my dad, mm. he was all, you know, I grew up with a, I was fortunate enough to grow up with a father who always said, there's nothing, there's nothing to stop you, but you. And when someone, someone tells you no, mm-hmm. it means that they're, they're not smart enough to figure it out. You are, and there's always a way to figure it out, a mm. better way. You know, huh. unless it's something really crazy or impossible, like, you know, walking to the moon. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, he said, yeah, there are obstacles and there are obstacles that are only facades to obstacles. And it's huh. up to you to figure it out. That's really I mean, I cool. could very easily, when I, most part of my vision, I could have just cashed in all my chips and said, well, that's it. Yeah. But instead, it brought me to a much happier place in life that I would never have been. And it brought me many, many more opportunities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I can honestly say, yeah, I'm in a much better place. Because if I had if I hadn't had my vision issues, and I would, you know, I would have stayed teaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the company ended up closing, and I would never have jumped into all these other corners. Wow. So I'm in a sense, your eye condition actually opened up more doors for you. A hundred percent. Yep. Cause it, it pushed me, it forced me to push myself as much as I could mm-hmm. well, and not be complacent. Cause I had a great job. I, who knows? I might've just stayed there. Who knows? Right. Right. And then lost and then lost it. And then what? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But you've always had a drive though. So I, I guess at oh, some sure. point you would have gotten to, to where you are now Four. anyway. <laughs> Right? It's just, Maybe, it's, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but it might have just taken a little longer. Um, right, right. Huh. Okay, so can you mention a time when you thought you needed to do something that could affect your life and others? Wait, I'm, I'm sorry, what was the question? Um, well, actually, I, I think you already, I mean, so can you mention a time when you thought you needed to do something that could affect your life and others? Oh, sure. Um. Let's see. Yeah, very specifically, after I had gotten divorced and left my restaurant, that was, you know, that was my, that was my bread and butter. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, went through a very, very difficult financial time with my, you know, my daughters who were maybe, I don't know, six and ten, there were six and eight. They were very, very little. Mm -hmm. And I struggled financially and I had to work very, very hard to get back to a good to get back to a good point. And I always swore that when I did, Mm -hmm. then I would do the old, you know, pass it forward. So then eventually I got involved with with a homeless shelter sort of as a it started out sort of as a coach where Mm -hmm. I was able to sort of coach coach one of the women who wanted to go back to culinary school, Mm -hmm. almost got her there. And then, you know, COVID hit. But we, you know, Mm -hmm. we kept in touch. Mm-hmm. And now I'm working with another woman there who wants to open up a restaurant. She's still a, a client in the shelter in West L.A. And I also got, let's see, they had a fire. Oh, wow. So I got a couple thousand dollars worth of restaurant, um, kitchen, cooking equipment donated. So that's 
So that became my thing. Mm. I was so grateful that I was able to get past my stuff and, and circumstances happen to, to just regular people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you can, you know, put your hand out, it, it's a big, you know, it, every, everybody needs, everybody needs a hand every now and then. Mm-hmm. That was my point. But, and yeah. you should never, ever forget that. Uh, thank you for that. Um, and I think that is so true. Um, so we met, you mentioned like, you know, the next step could be your book. So do you have any other goals and or is there something you haven't done yet that you would like to do? Besides the book. Well, let's see. Besides, <laughs> besides the book. It's a funny thing. I, I, don't really, I don't really have an answer just, I guess, because my whole attitude in life is just keep all your doors open and you never know what's, what's going to happen because people say, oh, what are you going to do when you retire? And I say mm. someone like me doesn't retire. I just kind of keep my eyes open. But I would love to have the opportunity to, you know, to live in another country, um, you know, preferably, you know, I have an affinity towards Spain. Mm-hmm. Uh, not sure. Mm-hmm. I'm really not sure. I just, I, I always keep my antennas up for, you know, for opportunities. I mean, years ago as a culinary instructor, we used to take these great trips to China mm. uh, once a year for the gourmet, the international gourmet festival. And then the director retired, the program stopped. Mm. I saw the opportunity and I jumped in and I, you know, I kept it going for another, I don't know, another three years or so. So you really, you really never know. So yeah. I just keep doing what I enjoy doing. Most of my close friends are food people in the food industry, and I just, you know, you never know. So, mm. no, I don't have an answer. Okay. <laughs> Except okay. hopefully it involves travel. Yeah. That's awesome. And so what are your goals for your company and the community that you're involved in? To keep helping women, um, you know, get, get past their struggles, move out of the shelter, and get their own businesses going. That's, that's a big goal. And once again, personally, just to keep, you know, working on the projects that I enjoy working on. Hmm. So, okay. So can I go back to, you were talking about these women in the shelters. How, when you started having them as, as clients per se, how did they feel once they saw that there was an opportunity for them? you know, to get out of their circumstances. Well, I think that this is a, it's a, it's a very, very well-known shelter on the West side. And it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. And they provide them with childcare and therapy and a, you know, a warm and safe place, you know, for their kids. So Mm -hmm. I think, you know, once they get past their own struggles, Mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're able to see a little bit of a future, but my whole thing is that I want to coach some of these women and make, make them realize that they, you know, that they have talents and they did things before whatever, mm. whatever it was that happened to them that dragged them down to the bottom, that they have, they still have skills. Just like when I had vision problems, I realized I still had skills and it's a matter of just sort of helping them really put them, you know, put them into a package and realize you don't have to accept second best just because you lost your home or, mm-hmm. or you lost your job or mm-hmm. you lived on the streets. That doesn't mean you're not an incredibly value, val, you know, valuable and intelligent person that can figure out, you know, just, you know, incredible things to do. Mm-hmm. That's, that's why, you know, that's why this country is great. It's all, it's all about, um, you know, being an entrepreneur. Yeah. And, and, and I love that you're really empowering these women. You're helping them. Well, you know what? You, you know, know what I think helps besides, I, I, I say to myself, it helps me more than it, it helps them because mm-hmm. I was in a bad spot. No, I was never homeless. No, it was never that bad. No, I never lived on the street. But for me, in, in, you know, relative, in the area of relativity, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was pretty bad based on my, my, 
you know, my, my upbringing and my education. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hmm. But yeah, it's, it, uh, I'm able to sort of share. Yeah. Here's the point. I'm able to share my story and say, Hey, look, this is what happened to me. Things happen to people, things yeah. happen to women, but it doesn't mean you have to stay stuck in that spot. And it doesn't mean that whatever happened to you has to define you. Yeah. I love that. You know, message. let your passion, let your passions define you work through it, get past it and become, you know, become that successful woman that you can be because you're smart. Mm, I love that. Thank you for that. So um, how can people find out about you and your business? Oh, they could. Um, I'm very happy to talk to anybody that needs, you know, a good, uh, a good kick in the pants or else <laughs> just to, you know, just to talk to me and just figure out, you know, I love listening to to people and hear their experience and I can sort of coach them along and say, Hey, you know, why don't you try this? Why don't you try this? Why don't you try that? Um, mm -hmm. They could email me at, at my, uh, my email address, which is Liz Thompson marketing at iCloud.com. Mm -hmm. And okay. I have a website, Liz Thompson marketing.com, which, you know, explains, you know, some of the things that I do. Yeah. I mean, I, I or go ahead. Yeah. But, but yeah, please, if there's anybody that wants to contact me just for, just for advice or whatever, or they want to know how to get into the food industry or right. how to get into a different area of the food industry. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm happy to share because there were people that helped me when I needed it. I love that. Thank you. So if you had one thing to change that you wish you had done years ago, what would it be? I would get a food science degree. Oh, how come? Food science right now is such a big, big thing, and it's and it's it's a funny, it's an area of the food industry that is very much overlooked. And as 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 a pastry chef who's had culinary training, as you know, many 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 chefs have, you know, you work with food for enough years and you really understand it. But food science is still just another, it's another area where it really gets into the chemistry of things, why oh. why things happen, the different you know chemical reactions, and that to me it's 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 a fascinating thing, and I tried to start doing it online, uh -huh. hit the chemistry part, and that was the end of that for me. <laughs> oh, oh wow! It, and it's funny as you mentioned that I have seen some programs, some um, like the chef's table, and some of these chefs who use different methods of. I guess, um, I, I guess, um, getting some flavors out of different things. And I'm like, that is so cool because that's the science. And yeah. that's, that's like molecular, that's what pretty much molecular, molecular gastronomy is. It's all about science and chemistry and breaking down food into different things and then reconstituting them and making them into other things. It's all science. Hmm. Well, baking is science. Mm -hmm. Baking yes. is chemistry for sure. Right. Right. Well, I, w I was never a baker. And it's so funny because in my family, um, my dad was the cook and my sister, one sister was a baker, one sister was a, a co um, loved cooking. And I'm okay with cooking. I like yeah, that better than baking. Yeah, you grew up with it all around you. Yes, I did. Wow. But the funny thing is my daughter, my daughter loves both. So I always call her. It's like, okay, you can make me this, <laughs> you know. It's like, I'll just be the foodie who'll taste it. That's all. But it's, right, it's that's so very funny. And you're lucky. Yeah, yeah. And, and she got that love of baking from my mother-in-law because my mother-in-law taught her at, the, at, at uh, five years old, like how to like mix things and show her like how to do things. And she loved it. 
loved it, loved it. So I'm like, you know, I'm glad that she did. <laughs> she, she does. Yes, yeah, it's, it's great therapy too. Yes, and that's what she says. She's like, you know, mom, I can just, my headspace is right there. I don't have to worry about anything else. And that's you know, right. And it tastes good afterwards. And I'm like, yes, you're right. right. So, but that is so cool. Okay. Um, so what if you could be, if you could go back in time, what advice would you give your younger self? Let's see what advice. Um, if you were to do it again mm-hmm. with all the you know the trials and tribulations, do it again. Meaning, I guess I really you know back then I knew I was sort of an out of the box person, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't I wouldn't have changed. As crazy as it is, there there isn't anything that I would have changed. And I'm sure if my friends and family were to listen to this, they would think I was crazy because I went through some very, you know, I went through some very difficult times and. But for all the difficult times that I've gone through, they've always brought me to a better space. So that's mm-hmm. so anytime something bad happens, I always kind of hang on long enough knowing that something better is going to come along. Mm-hmm. I love that. And it's a learn and it's a learning experience. And the more things you go through, the more confidence you build in yourself so that mm-hmm. the next time it gets easier and easier and easier. Right. No, it's so true. I mean, I think you can really like it, it's also I mean, it, it's in it's almost in everything that you do. Right. I mean, you have to keep trying and you can't give up because you never no. know what's on the other side. <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly it. And, you know, everyone says, well, the grass isn't always greener, but you know what? You got to go there to see it for yourself. I never thought of it that way. I love that. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's really cool. That's another insane uh, way to look at things. But yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's insane. I, I think yeah. it's it's a very optimistic way of looking at yeah. it. Things. This is true. It is. And yes. and you need that, especially, you know, I, I would like to think that, you know, there's more positives and negatives, you know, right. and, and yes, we have to go through both. But I would I would definitely like to be more on the optimistic side than the negative side. Always better. The glass is half full. It gets you a lot further. Yes. So true. Oh, my gosh. Well, Liz, thank you so much for stopping by. I, I really loved your story and, and where you are now and creating all of these amazing um, recipes with with your clients. And I, I just wish you so much luck and good luck with the book if you do decide to do that. Or you could do a travel book with it. That would be awesome. Well, you know what? Who knows? I'll I'll start uh, I'll start you know taking you know an hour an hour a day. But I, I I'll let you know. But thank you so much for you know for letting me just kind of jabber on about um no about my life and how I got here. Yeah, no, I really wanted to learn your story because so many, I'm sure that if there's a if there's one person who at least who who may have listened to this and said, huh. You know, it's like, I wonder if I could do that. That would be awesome. You know, I mean, and you just have been... them call and they can and whoever that person is can feel free to contact me and then I'll call them. Yeah, that would be great. Well, thank you again for stopping. All right. By. Thank you so much. And I'll talk right, to you soon. Okay. okay bye-bye. Bye bye. That's our show for today. I've posted more information about Liz Thompson on RevWoman.com. Thank you for listening. And I hope you'll tune in every Thursday for another episode of Revolutionary Woman. You can listen to Revolutionary Woman on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Just a little note, I've launched a Patreon account to support the show. All proceeds will go to producing and editing the episodes to give my poor husband a break for being my personal IT and production department. He wrote this. The address is patreon.com slash revwoman. 